And Warm Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is November 17th, and the season is flying by. I'm not a fan. I looked at it. I was like, nah, I'm not a fan of how quick this season's going by right now. I'm just zipping by. We've played 10 games. It's, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we deserve, I think, some credit on this show. Let's just start with your Monday night team. Now, we did not say they were going to win it outright, but what did we say? They'll probably stick within the number and pump the brakes on the Eagles because there are some cracks starting to show in that team. And boy, oh boy, did your commander step up and show that to the world. They showed up. It was really fun. Um, a lot of people are, you know, crediting the refs and everything. That's cool. We had the ball for 41 minutes. Um, so, <laughs> like, all right, so whatever. Um, they, we, we pretty much dominated them. And we showed that you just run right up the middle, especially right now with injuries along that line. If you run right up the middle, it's, 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 you're going to find four yards better carry. You could do that, keep the ball out of their hands. Try to limit turnovers, which you know we didn't really do, but um, yeah, it, it worked out great. It was awesome to see. I was kind of blown away. I continue to lose money on my team when we face these these undefeated or just astronomical odds, but whatever, I'll take it. I love it. It's it's so funny because like so many people have been keying in on like Jalen Hurts and the offensive weapons and all that, and meanwhile, the commander showed us the most important player on that team might be Jordan Davis because if yeah. he isn't in the middle, you can just hold it on the ball and just shove it down their throat for 40 minutes and get out of there with a win and take it out of Jalen Hurts. Like Jordan Davis might be the most important player on that Eagles team going forward. And Kelsey probably on the other side of the ball in that offensive line starting to show some cracks. I mean, yeah, it's obviously huge and we're, we're not really a very good running team to begin with. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, they go up against Jonathan Taylor who had a phenomenal game last week. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. I don't know. An all time move because it is, it's funny. It, it was obviously in the moment, but it's just so funny that you have your star quarterback drinking out of a garbage can bush light. It's like, of course, that's the commander's organization that that would be happening on. But it was still a cool move. But yes. <laughs> yeah, very uh, makes Taylor Taylor very likable. But yeah, he's, he's a oh. funny guy. But I don't know. I just if you had told me that A.J. Brown was going to have one catch for seven yards in that game, I, I would have I said you're crazy. Incredible. And that was something else we talked about is how if you make Jalen Hurts try to throw to the middle of the field to keep everything out to the peripherals, he struggles a little bit. And he still played fine, not to say, but it's you can start to chip away at this team. This isn't the most invincible team on the planet, which we've been trying to get ahead of. Another take we are now ahead of, and it's been two weeks brewing. I said it on this podcast, watch out for the Bucks. If they win that Rams game, then they go to Germany, just get out of Germany alive. They played way better than I thought, and then you get the bye. And that's what happened last year or last time we won the Super Bowl. You get into the bye, you have a good win. You go in, you revamp the offense, a lot more two tight end sets, a lot more motion, a lot more play action, even though our run game's so bad, it probably won't get anybody to bite, but Tom loves it. And then you look at the schedule, we're going to finish the season with three wins after that bad schedule, and then boom, Bucks get a home game in the playoffs, and your nightmare begins, NFL, again, because I am now getting oh so excited for the Pirate ship from hell to show back up. Yeah, I mean, it is funny that you bring up your nightmare begins because I tell you what, had my team beat the Vikings last week and we were 6-4, and four, I'd be bouncing on the, up to the <laughs> ceiling in this podcast right now. Let me just tell you that much because I would be out of my – I'd be losing my mind. But, yeah, I mean, the Bucks. I'm 100% convinced with that garbage division, the Bucks are in the playoffs. So in the playoffs, fine. probably going to get a home game to start, yeah, which, oh, like oh, – yeah. I mean, the yeah, yeah, unbelievable. It's like, of course, we're going to be right there. As long as you can stay healthy, stay healthy, stay healthy. I am getting very excited. And 
I mean, just add more fuel to the fire. Tom's broke, and his girl's now dating a jujitsu teacher. So, you know, just add it, add it to the fuel of the fire, that man. And we're going to get some excellent Tom Brady, I think, down the stretch. Yeah. Which, by the way, this is not a paparazzi podcast or anything, but she's known that jujitsu guy for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's been some shenanigans going on there. Not, not cool, Giselle. I'm starting to get the feeling that uh, him wanting to play football wasn't exactly the whole reason. And then that trip to the Bahamas, interesting timing going on, what's going on in the finance world with FTX. Feel like, feel like some fishy things were happening in that relationship well before he decided to come out of retirement. No doubt. No doubt. Nobody, girl or boy leaves a relationship and immediately is with somebody else unless that had been brewing for a while now. It just doesn't work that way. And then throw kids into the matter, no shot. And I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not a married man, so I'm not saying it's out of experience, but I think especially someone who's getting out of a marriage. Correct. <laughs> like, yeah, with children involved, too. Like, yeah. yeah. Jiu-jitsu rolling around the mats turned a little, little fiery, I think, for those two. <laughs> a little passion in the so. eyes. So, yeah, Tom's coming so. for the NFL. Let's just be weird. And Julio Jones finally got involved big time last game. We've been waiting for that. Yep. He was very involved. And, you know, there were just, I, it was really cool to see him running an open field like that. It looked like just kind of like an old school Julio running down the field. Um, yeah. So it's, I've been waiting for him to kind of get involved. I thought, you know, after week one, we were going to see him getting involved. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see him. All right. I agree. All right. That wraps up kind of the week recap for us. Let's start talking about some games. We're going to go in order like every week. And right off the bat, we have the team that we have twice now in the last three weeks. I don't overthink it, bet it in the Tennessee Titans. And boy, have they pulled through. And then the Packers, which I was dead wrong on, only because Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, that game. But they get a big win against the Cowboys. The line is at three. Packers are favored. It is in Lambeau. Thursday night, inclement weather could be a factor here. It's getting very cold in the Midwest and Upper Northeast. Over 41. What do you make of this game? I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm still not a believer in the Packers. I, I'm really not. Um so this is kind of another, it's kind of an overthink it thing again. Just don't overthink this. Go with the Titans plus three. I just think you know they're gonna they're gonna pound the ball. Obviously, that's what they do. Um, I think they're gonna try their best to control the clock. I kind of like the under, um, and I, I tempted to take them on the money line, but I just I don't know about that. Them going into Green Bay on Thursday that is tough. So, but I do like them plus three. I mean, you get a Thursday night game. 10 to 15 mile per hour winds, 14% chance of snow, 23 degrees. And you're telling me Derrick Henry isn't going to be putting a hurting on those Packers defense? Like, there's an argument here to be made that they're not going to want to tackle that man as he comes barreling down the line. And that could be a real problem here for the, the Packers who need to kind of play with a lead and be able to draw out clock in order to win games. And if the Titans are doing that to you, they're... they're Packers aren't exactly, I know Watson last week and show they could be quick striking, but that has not been their MO most games. You go with, you know, the totality of the season those over one one game sample. This could be a real problem. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Watson obviously had a massive game, a massive three touchdown game. You know, he had big plays involved in that, but he still only had five grabs. So let's not go crazy here. It wasn't necessarily like dominating. Um, I do think that, you know, it's going to build, build his confidence. He obviously is lightning quick. Um, but let's not go crazy here over that. Yeah, I, I like the Titans here on the three-point spread. I'm, I'm going to take the points on that one. Give me Titans plus three. All right, Panthers-Ravens. The Ravens come in here at 13-point favorite over under 41.5. And, 
and I got to be honest, I'm struggling to make the math work as to how the Panthers can keep up with this Ravens team. But 13 is a big spread, and we have seen a historical year betting-wise with teams that are uh, more than four points or more underdog this season. It's hit at the highest rate since like 1990 or something. Can the Panthers cover a 13-point spread in Baltimore? I kind of think they can. I, it's just such a big spread. And I know Baltimore has been rolling recently. And by the way, if you look at Baltimore's reigning schedule, I mean, what a joke. I mean, they're, they're easily going to the playoffs. They really only have the Bengals left at the end of the season. Um, so I like them to win this game. But I think Carolina, while they're trash, they're not a good team. Um, I do think that they can maybe you know keep it semi-close within two scores. Um, so I'd probably go Carolina here, but Baltimore will still win this game pretty handily. I don't think it'll ever get too concerning for them. Yeah, I would expect this to be a whopping. And what I'm talking about here as far as a historic year, this is from Todd Furman's Twitter account, very reliable betting guy in the community. Dogs of four-plus points or more are hitting against the spread at 65% this season. That is the best since 1999 through 10 games unbelievable <laughs> that is crazy yep unders as well for all you overbetters out there hitting at a 57 percent rate this year since best since 1991 so and then money dogs four plus or more hitting at a 35 percent not crazy but that's the best since 1987 it's been a one it's been a very wacky year in the nfl to say the least and so if you tell me the Panthers backdoor cover here or somehow magically find a way to keep this close, I'm not going to be crazy here. But yeah, the Ravens should be in control of this game um, from start to finish. Yep, agreed. All righty, talk about weather. Weather is a big factor this week. The Browns versus the Bills. Buffalo might get six feet of snow, folks, okay? <laughs> That's what we might be looking at. The league is watching this game. The line <laughs> is still at seven and a half, though. Over under 41 and a half. I mean... With the weather being out there, it leans more towards the Browns side, even though Josh Allen can throw the ball a country mile. Um, but how do you even start to break this down this game? I don't know. I, first of all, how does anyone live in Buffalo? You get six feet of snow. Are you kidding me? It's the prediction this weekend could be up to six feet potentially through the weekend. If we got six feet of snow in this city that I live in, I mean, we'd be shut down for two and a half months. I mean, that's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, but they'd be shut. They'd be shut down for like two hours. Everyone would be fine. Everyone would get to the game. No big deal. Um, yeah, obviously the weather factor does help the Browns. But like you said, Allen can just sling it. It doesn't really matter, even if he does have half an elbow. Um, he can sling it, and I mean, he can run all over everybody in the snow. Um, and he'll he'll find ways to get the ball to Diggs, no problem. Um, just kind of after what happened last week, I do like Buffalo trying to come back and kick some ass here. It is a little concerning. I would like to see that hook maybe go down to a seven, but um, I, I still lean Buffalo here where they just want to put an ass kicking on someone. Yeah, and they're starting to get a little healthier on defense. That, that's been a, a part is their defense has just not been healthy at this point um, in the season. Um, they got banged up halfway through. I agree. Mentality is definitely there. Buffalo knows how to play in the snow, but so does Cleveland. But, I mean, my God, that is that is not a fun one to play. And I'm not laying money on this game yet until we see what the weather is going to look like completely. But snow football, too, is just the absolute best. Some of the silliest wow. stuff happens, especially college. College snow football oh might my be God. my favorite thing in the world to watch. It is just an absolute free-for-all. Well, 
It's a free-for-all because of those wide hash marks. You do a sweep in the snow and you're on one side. I mean, it's just open field. It's just it's unbelievable to watch in college. So, yeah, snow football, you can't beat it. It's the absolute best, especially if you get, like, a Mac game on a random Tuesday or Wednesday and it's just snowing in the middle of Ohio somewhere. It is just bananas from start to and finish. And turning it on, you, you have no idea that you're about to turn on a snow football game. You're like, oh, my God, it's snowing. This is great. Best <laughs> entertainment in the world. All right. Colts, Eagles. And for all the talk, Jeff Saturday just told all of us to shove it. Um, and we'll get to the Raiders is just a, a nice little recap because they do not play this week. But whew, they need some yeah. time off. Um Right? I don't think they play this week. Are they on a bye? They might. I don't know. Great podcasting we got going on. I think they're on a bye. All right. Yeah, I believe they are. Oh, no, they play. They play. They're Sunday night against the Bears. Or the, the uh, Broncos. Never mind. We got a four o'clocker against the Broncos. Yep. We'll talk about them in a nice. moment. This is great. We'll probably cut this all out. No, we won't. Jeff Saturday <laughs> told us all to shove it last week against the worst team and coach in the world. But they get the Eagles, a team that we did say pump the brakes on. But after getting a tough loss and a black guy on Monday night, they're heading to Coltsland in a dome. Line six and a half. Eagles are the favorite. Over under 43 and a half. Do the Eagles come and correct this past Monday with covering the spread and winning this game? Um, we'll see. I, I I don't really have a lean yet on this game. It's tough for me to say. I, I think they're they're definitely they're obviously the favorites. They should win this game. They will go probably cover, but this is kind of one of those games where it's like you have this coach in Jeff Saturday, this former offensive lineman that probably wants to pound the damn football. And we kind of showed last week what happens if you do that. So I don't hate the Colts here to cover, especially six and a half. Um, I'll lean Colts a little bit, actually, even though I kind of started talking Philly in the beginning there. But I'm kind of leaning Colts, but I don't have a good feel yet. It's funny you mentioned, you know, pound the rock, going to want to run the ball. Because after Monday night, it felt a little sloppy and even so I went and looked. The Eagles are right now number five in missed tackles in the NFL. They have missed 55 tackles, with the most being the Jacksonville Jaguars at 62. That could be a problem if this team decides to get physical. And Matt Ryan showed decent in a, you know that debut back from being benched um, last week. I, I'm with you. I don't. This feels like a dangerous trap line. Like this feels like the Colts should be the side here. The, if you're taking the Eagles, it's a bit of a trap. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. If Jordan Davis isn't ready to fully go, I think it's an injury report to watch. This is a game where the Colts can just take the same playbook they saw from the Commanders. I mean, the defense is as good as the Commanders have been showing recently. But yeah, I'm with you. Stay in the number. All right, a rivalry game that has gotten a lot more interesting with the resurgence of the New York Jets, a team that is loaded with young, fun talent, way ahead of schedule in their rebuild. Things rely, though, on what kind of quarterback play you're going to get from Zach Wilson on that day. Going into Foxborough, the line is 3.5. Patriots are the favorite. Over, under, 38.5. What do we think is going to happen in this one? It's tough, and I can't believe the Patriots are five and four. They're like the quietest five and four yes. team I, I, I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I mean this is a good game. I lean, I lean Jets here with that hook. I, I think it's going to be a close game because I just don't think either team's going to put up a big numbers. Hence the over under being at thirty eight and a half. Um, I even kind of lean under on that. Which, by the way, as you've mentioned unders are just hitting everywhere. I mean, just, like every game is basically hitting as an under, which is very boring and unfortunate, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I lean Jets here. I just think they kind of have more more moxie about them right now. Kind of just more going for them. They're just kind of feeding off 
they're, I mean, no one expecting them to do this basically. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of like them here to at least cover maybe win, but definitely cover. Yeah. I, I think if you're, you're trying to bet a side, I don't have a bet on this one yet. 38 is low, but it's just the styles of these two teams right now. And the way they're playing, I, I do think an under is probably the, the smarter play. I don't have a ton on this one. I have to break this one down a little bit more. All I can say is I am very excited. If the Jets can get it figured out, I do root for those Jets-Mets fans out there because they have just had a world of misery in their life. And I, I, you know, I'd like to see them have a little success. Fireman Ed gets me fired up on a Sunday every once in a while. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like to see them not get too, too above their britches, but... I like that this division is now finally shaping up to be ultra competitive, given the absolute dominance the Patriots have had over it for years and decades, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. All right, your commanders. I need you to tell me what is up with this line. It, I'm not. I can't make heads or tail of it. Three and a half is the line. Commanders are the favorite, heading down to Houston. Dome weather. Over under is forty and a half. What's going on with this line? I just think maybe people just want to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. And remember, we are still the Washington Commanders. And <laughs> things could go bad here. Um, you never know. A lot of times, this is definitely, obviously, a trap game after coming off a massive high off beating the Eagles on Monday night in Philly. Um, yeah, it's it's tough to say. I, I think we will cover. Um, right now, you got to love what you see. I mean, Taylor, he just wins. He's got, like, almost this Jimmy G thing about him. He's not very He's not that great, um, but he's got moxie about him. He's confident. Um, I saw a crazy stat on NFL game day today since joining the Commanders in 2020. Taylor Heineke's win percentage of 526 in Washington, which is insane. That's better than over that span is better than Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> um, but he just finds ways to win. And, you know, last week, you know, we were pounding the rock. He forces the ball to Terry McLaurin, which I love. Carson Wentz wasn't doing that. Terry was eating Darius Slay alive on Monday night. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that against Stingley, but we know what Houston's going to do. All we have to do against Houston, which is very difficult because Damian Pierce is an animal, they have to stop the run. Fortunately, we are pretty good at that. Um, but they are just going to hand the ball off to Pierce. He gets the handoff basically every single first down. You know he's going to get the ball. And like I said last week, Houston was doing the same thing this past weekend, where it's like they're running this two-minute drill, and it's just like they don't know what to do, so they just hand the ball off to Damian Pierce anyway. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why they do that. But, I mean, it's basically like stop Pierce and don't do anything stupid on offense, and we should win, and we should honestly cover pretty easily, I think. So I'll go with the commanders. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I, and the resurgence of this commander's defense, which has slowly started to get better and better week in and week out. And that's why it's hard when you look at the total, when you look at numbers of the whole of this season, their numbers aren't as impressive. But when you really start to hammer it down over the last couple of weeks, things start to form into shape. And this is becoming a very good defense. And the fact about Taylor is it is amazing what kind of like when a quarterback isn't supposed to be elite comes in thinking he can win in the NFL what that does to a team because everybody on that commander's team believes they can win it's why I thought it was incredibly dangerous when we faced off in our Super Bowl run for the Bucks and I was he was the guy that gave me the most scare in that run up to that Super Bowl because he comes in the game he's got nothing to lose he's got nothing to lose right now this dude is didn't even think he was going to be in the NFL and the fact that he's going out there and winning games it's electric through the entire team they all believe they can win they're all buying into it and that's a dangerous dangerous team but you're right 
the spread becomes a little trickier because you know the Texans are going to try to give you as few chances as possible. This isn't exactly the most electric offense in the Commanders, but the defense has showed up well, and I do kind of like them here at three and a half, but it's it's going to be a hold on to your butts and plug your nose type of game if you're betting that game. Always is. This is a game I have zero interest in watching. Zippo. None. I would rather pluck my eyeballs out than watch the Rams and Saints play at 1 o'clock in New Orleans. The line is 3.5. Over-under is 30.5. At this point, wrap Stafford in bubble wrap and sit him in a padded room. Let nothing happen to that man. His season should be done. The Rams season is done. And the Saints stink. So I got no interest in this game, but we got to talk about it. That's my initial breakdown. Yeah, this game sucks. Um, it's terrible. It's funny when you look at these matchups and it's like, you know, in your head, you're like, oh, wow, it's the Saints and the Rams. You're like, oh, wait, they suck this year. Um, so terrible game. Um, Rams don't have Cooper Cup. That's going to be bad. Matt Stafford, yeah, you're right. He shouldn't be out there. This season's completely done. Andy Dalton is not very good. Alvin Kamara is no longer involved in their, in their <laughs> offense. Um, this is a terrible game. I will go with the... Oh, uh, Rams on the hook. <laughs> it's just, it is tough. It is very tough to try to to do this. This team just, you just, they can't push the ball down the field. The Rams, Cooper Cup's out. You lose your most valuable weapon. They haven't been able to integrate Allen Robinson into this offense whatsoever. Van Jefferson's fallen off the face of the earth. Cam Akers, God only knows what's going on there. This is the offensive line is terrible. The defensive stars aren't showing up like they should. There's not a lot of depth on this team. It's bad. Lions fans are loving it because they're getting their pick and it's only getting better and better. Um, so yeah, it's terrible, but oh, man, it's you look at the Saints, it's not a whole lot better. <laughs> we thought we were gonna say goodbye to Winston, but at this point, you might want to put him in there because at least he gives you he gives you trying to catch a dagger from the sky. You might get it. Or you might just kill yourself by trying to catch that dagger, but you got a better chance than Andy Dalton, who's not even going to throw it up. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's just, it's a bad game. I'm, I'm not a fan. Terrible. Terrible game. All right, Lions-Giants. 44.5 is the over. Mm. Under. Lions set at three. I can't imagine this game is going to go great, only because while the Lions have gotten better... That coaching staff, I don't think, has a shot of out-scheming or out-game planning the Giants coaching staff. Now, we talk about spreads here. So, I'm as far as winning, I don't think the Lions win this game. But they've been a very dangerous team against the spread. They don't know they're supposed to be losing games, which makes them dangerous. Where do you see this number at three? And who could maybe potentially cover this one? I think this is an interesting game and an interesting matchup just because... Obviously, the Giants are a better team. I mean, look at the records. Look at that. But I almost think this Lions team does have the ability to their offense just overwhelm and put up too many points for the Giants. Very true. That is very possible here. (laughs) Like, I think that's a possibility. I think it would be far more likely if this game were in Detroit. Um, but you said it. it's just like the coaching staff. I, I just think the Giants are going to be so much more prepared for this game. Um, and obviously, it's going to continue to be the Saquon show. So I, I would pick the Giants. However, I would say I won't be shocked if somehow the Lions, just their offense, just is 
they put up too much, too many points, and they actually end up winning the game. But I think the Lions covering, sorry, the Giants covering is actually more likely. The, the Lions are a dangerous team because they don't know they're supposed to outright suck. So they played these ultra competitive games because the offense, their defense absolutely is trash right now. Um, but oh, the offense doesn't realize they're not supposed to be good and they just hang around games and put up points. And that's a dangerous team because normally in the NFL around this time of year, teams that suck start to give up because playoff picture starts to slip draft capital starts to become a thing guys are starting to feel the, the hits are starting to add up you know those many many car crashes every week we get to week 10 it's like oh man i mean who wants to be two and eight after their acl <laughs> yeah exactly but this team for whatever reason it's because their head coach is a maniac there's a report out that when he interviewed for the miami dolphins job yeah. he was slamming chairs and they're slamming tables and throwing chairs so he i don't think yeah, this is true. I mean, he's an absolute maniac, and I think that's why they make it dangerous. So I'm with you. I think the Giants should win this game because I think they're the better prepared team. But as far as covering, I don't think I'd put my hard-earned cash on the Giants on this one because the Lions, they just they have this knack for staying around in games because of their offense, and it's it's tough as a better to bet against right now. Yeah, This is a line that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Bears-Falcons. Bears are a three-point underdog coming into this, over under 49.5. And this doesn't make a lot of sense to me because this offense for the Bears is starting to hum. The defense is a problem, but the offense is starting to hum. And the Atlanta Falcons' defense is not very good. It is. It's bad. And the product of offense is getting worse by the week. It started off great, getting worse by the week. So I cannot make sense of this. I have bet the Bears because I simply could not make sense of why this line was three. I'm with you on it. I actually think Bears' money line is great. Um, and like you said, you said there, uh, the Falcons, you know, it started off kind of inspirational for that team, but it's gotten real shitty. Uh, Marcus <laughs> Mariota. Marcus Mariota is not playing well. Um, Desmond Ritter must not be very good. Um, <laughs> make that make sense. How are you not at least trying to evaluate this guy at this point? Like, what are I, we doing? <laughs> I have no idea. He looked great in the preseason. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> I don't know. He must not be good or, or something's going on there. So, yeah, I, I like the Bears here. That offense just rolls, and I don't see the Falcons, even with that poor Bears defense. I don't see them just putting up the points. So I like the Bears to win this game. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I'll take the money line, and I don't mm-hmm. know if I'll start betting it if it dips below three, but at three, three and a half, I took the Bears. Like, I just, yeah. I can't. I, I think they probably win this game, but stupid stuff in the NFL happens every single week. But I don't think they lose by more than a field goal just based on how that offense is performing and how bad the Falcons are downward trending. All right, let's talk about two stinker of a team. The Broncos and the Raiders. The line's at 2.5, over under 41.5. And in and all on honesty, can the Raiders even score points in this game? Because Josh McDaniels, I do not understand how he's a functioning coach in the NFL at this point. This is absolutely an abomination what's happening in Vegas. It's terrible. I mean, we see some over unders that this week that are in the thirties. I can't believe this one's in the forties. <laughs> I, I, you ought to take the under in this game. And it's funny because, you know, schedule makers probably looked at this. This is a great matchup in November and it's just, it's not, it's so bad. Um, <laughs> I, I, I take the Broncos here, but not having anything to do with their offense 100% because of their defense zero credit to Russell Wilson um yeah that's yeah I'll, I'll take the Broncos here this is a stinker of a game 
absolute stinker. And I saw a report today. I, I came home after work. We hopped on, jumped on this, so I haven't been able to verify it. But I did see something along the lines that the coaching situation will not change this year or next year because they are cash poor as a franchise and cannot buy out his contract. Which I, uh, I mean, that can't be accurate. I, How is no that way. accurate with the most powerful league and arguably the world outside of like FIFA? <laughs> How can you not buy out your coach's contract? I mean, does the Davis? Uh, I would assume there's a lot of Davis family money. Yeah, uh, did did Mark gamble it all away? Like, what's going on? Here's the problem. Space Boy has ruined Twitter, so I don't know if what I saw was accurate, and I didn't. I didn't have the time to verify it. So if it was inaccurate, please, people, fact check me. But I saw a verified account on Twitter. We all know how valid that is nowadays. Tweeting a story about it, and I was, I it caught me off guard at work. I, I could not believe what I was reading. But man, that would that is, be a story? Yeah, that is true, and it's just such a bummer that we can't just quickly look at our phone and just trust a check mark anymore. It's just like, oh boy, yeah. Yeah, so that is what that is. All righty. All right. Let's talk a little Vikings-Cowboys. The team that we called fraudulent last week really stuck it to us, and we got Dancing Kirk on the airplane with his chains once again. And the Cowboys, a team I've been screaming from the rooftops, saying they've been fraudulent for the last couple of years, took them to bet last week, and they absolutely took me to the wood shepherd with that one. So this line is at one and a half. Over-under is 47 and a half. We have talked about the Vikings being a fraudulent team compared to their record and what the market has deemed them at. But at plus one and a half, with the Cowboys coming in after an emotional return to Lambeau from Mike McCarthy, a game that from what it was appeared to be the locker room was behind him and really wanting to kind of beat the brakes off the Packers, losing that game, now having to fight against a team that has got a lot going for them. Can the Cowboys come in to Minnesota in one of the better home field advantages in the NFL and win this game by more than one one point? I mean, <laughs> I don't know how to laugh, but it did. <laughs> um, I think I'm kind of semi, maybe a little bit surprised by this spread. Um, I, I think, you know, if you look at top to bottom, Dallas, yeah, they probably are the more talented team. They obviously do play in the more difficult division. Um, but just still, this game being in Minnesota kind of surprises me. Um, so I'm kind of tempted just by the value of taking the Vikings on the money line. Like, I almost like can't pass that up, even though I think Dallas has a very good chance of winning because I think Michael Parsons will make Kirk Cousins fumble the ball like three times. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's one thing I'm very concerned about. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's concerns a little bit I have for Dallas's offense and just some of the decision-making that Dak Prescott made was just like, what, what what's going on here, Dak? Like, not used to seeing him do that. Um, but, yeah, I, I just – I personally will probably take the Vikings' money line based on that value, but I actually do think Dallas will, uh, will cover. I just – I look at their team, and I, I think they're just – you look at their whole offense and their whole defense. I think they're better than Minnesota, um, but it will be tough, especially in Minnesota, as we know. That's going to be really tough. But I would take Dallas minus one and a half. Yeah, I think I'm with you here. I think the the recipe's pretty simple. Um, if you are the Cowboys, and it is getting Dallas in passing downs to get after Kirk Cousins, because we know Kirk Cousins when he faces pressure, his 
brain turns into noodle brain and things start to go. And Micah Parsons and this Cowboys team is one of the more elite pass rushing teams in the league. The problem is, can you get them in those third and manageable situations or third down situations? Because the Cowboys right now are giving up the fifth most rushing yards per attempt at 4.8. So if the Vikings go heavy handed towards the run and are ripping off four or five yards per run, what did this game turn into? I question whether or not Kevin O'Connell will will go that heavy of a run game. Mm-hmm. We'll see. At some point, I do think the Viking stock has to come down. And this feels like a game where it, certainly there are some matchups here that are favorable to the Vikings. I think Diggs's aggressiveness here could also really bite him in the butt going up against arguably the best wide receiver in the league. I'm not going to say he is, but he's certainly in the conversation in Justin Jefferson and what that man can do oh, week yeah. in and week out. And I think the over-aggressiveness, as long as Kirk Cousins doesn't turn into a complete noodle brain here, that could be could be a valuable matchup for Viking betters. But are you willing to bet Kirk Cousins doesn't turn into a noodle brain here at the 4 o'clock spot against a team that loves to get, get after the quarterback? I'm not putting my hard-earned cash on that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yep, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I make that game. I don't know if I'm going to bet it, but I think if you were like, you got to bet this game, I'm going to look into it a little bit more. I got to break it down a little bit more. We'll see. So make sure you're following at Trophy Kids Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We'll give out all final picks there, but I think I would lean Cowboys. Bengals yep. Steelers. The Steelers got the battle of the Bengals last time around. Numbers four and a half. They're going to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is the underdog. Over-under is 40-and-a-half. Bengals will be without Jamar Chase once again, which could prove problematic for them here in this spot. But we have seen life from this Bengals team. We saw Joe Nixon before the bye last week run like his hair was on fire. The attitude he brought to the field absolutely ignited this Bengals offense. Joe Burrow started to play a little bit better and get some more rhythm down with his wide receivers. But the Steelers are no. They're showing they still have fight in them. The numbers four and a half. We know underdogs at plus four this season have had a pretty good season overall covering. Can the Steelers once again cover and or maybe win this game? I don't think they're going to win. They could potentially cover, but I still lean Bengals here. Um, I think they're just kind of, even though they're obviously missing Jamar Chase, um, but you know they're coming off a bye here, a little more well-rested. Joe Mixon went insane. I think you kind of have to lean lean on Mixon pretty heavy again. This game, obviously, you know, great thing about Mixon, he's very dual threat. Throw the ball, hand the ball off to him. Um, they still have the weapons on the outside, even, you know, it does make a difference without, you know, obviously makes a big difference without Chase. But so I'd still go Bengals here probably to cover. But, I I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they only win by, like, three. But I'm leaning more towards winning by a touchdown or more. Yeah, uh, and we've we've kind of given the roses to the Bengals' defense and their ways to adjust, especially during half. It is tough to get this defense twice. Um, and more importantly, I think this offense is starting to finally come together. Not a fan of Zach Taylor's play calling. Been very vocal about this. But the players are starting to come alive. It's They sort of know what time of year it is, and it does seem like things are starting to gel a little bit more. So I'm with you. I do think they get the better of them here, and I'm not overly worried about that game. A game that when they penciled this one in looked like an all-time heavyweight showdown. But like every year, the Chargers are banged up heading into this one. Justin Herbert is still playing out of his mind given 
the incompetent fool he has calling his plays <laughs> and an offense that is just banged up left and right and a wide receiver number one who I don't know at this point what is going on with his hamstring. It must be the worst hamstring injury the world has ever seen um, against a Chiefs team that is knows what time of season it is and is starting to roll once again. Yeah, they're rolling. I just don't think this Chargers team is rolling enough to where they can keep up with the Chiefs. Um, obviously, they have the ability, they have the potential to where they could be. I hope they do to make an awesome game because it has the potential to be a fucking great game, pardon my language. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, like you said, Keenan Allen, I, what is going on with that hamstring? I, it's been a... It's been a it's a 10-week injury. Uh, he, he keeps trying to come back, and then he hurts his hamstring. I, I know hamstrings linger, especially for wide receivers, but I don't know if I've ever seen like a hamstring that isn't like reported as a full-blown tear and require surgery. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Uh, there was a man who plays running back that got shot multiple times and came back sooner. For a guy who doesn't have a torn hamstring, according, like you said, a tear makes sense, but at this point, what are we doing? <laughs> I, it's just, I guess he just continues to nick it up. And it's just like, but whenever you, he does come back, I, he's an awesome player, but can he take on a full load right away? I doubt it. So even if he does play, and I think, I think it's trending towards him playing. Um, I still don't really think they have the ability to keep up with them. Um, you got to get Eckler involved a lot and, you know, obviously they will, but it's still, I don't think they'll be able to keep up with the chase. So I got chiefs five and a half. And I think that, that could move to six. Maybe I'm wrong. I think so, too. I think there's a possibility here just due to the injury factor. I mean, the Chargers' defense has been built to beat the Chiefs' defense, but you start to add up a lot of the or defense, offense. You start to add up the injuries on that side of the ball, and J.C. Jackson not playing anywhere close to what his price tag was. You get an offense that is very banged up. The evaluation starts to look a lot like the evaluation I made last week with the 49ers against the Chargers here. The only difference is I don't anticipate the self-inflicting wounds that the 49ers put on in that Sunday night game to not cover the number at seven after I gave it out as my best bet, where the Chiefs I do think can cover the number at five. So yeah, I just I think at this point, they're rolling. The, the Chiefs aren't without their own injury concerns, especially in the wide receiver room, but they are showing, I mean, the theme this year was always you're not going to know the guy that's going to get his on any given Sunday, and they've really proven true to that. Um, as well as Andy Reid is just the smartest coach on the field for this game, and it's it's not even close. So, yeah, I do like the Chiefs here. Last game of the week, a big number, 49ers, 8.5 against the Arizona Cardinals, over under 43.5, and it is a one-game sample size, but it is not reassuring to have Colt McCoy come out and run a better offense than your franchise quarterback in Kyle Murray. So that's where Arizona's at right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it doesn't look to be going great. Um, I mean, I think what both quarter are both quarterbacks day to day. I mean, they're both injured, right? I believe so, yes. I mean, who's even playing a quarterback? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not looking good there. Um is this game in Mexico City? I believe it is. Yes, it is. Okay, so this game in Mexico City. I could be wrong. Is this the elevation in Mexico City, like 7,000 feet? Good forward. Okay. I don't know if it's 7,000 feet, but I do remember when the when Tom played there, that being like, I just remember that sticking out in my mind of like, it was very high elevation. I'm 90% sure it's higher than Denver. I'm pretty positive about that. Um, but yeah, and this is just, it's just who's going to play a quarterback for them? The, the Niners, in my opinion, I think, I don't know why I think this, but I think they're built more for this elevation. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I don't know why I think that. Um, they're just a better team. Eight and a half is a weird number. Eight and a half is a number I feel like I never see in, on an NFL spread. Um, but I'd probably go Niners because they just, as I've said before, they just slowly suffocate you. And the Cardinals are great candidates to be suffocated. <laughs> yes. I think we have that opinion because – Kyle Murray and uh, Lincoln Riley don't exactly give the appeal of a let's have a dog fight at fucking 11 feet of elevation. (laughs) They don't, the way they've been playing this season in the sideline altercations, which I've got to watch the in season hard knocks. I know it came out recently. Doesn't give the impression of this team is really in it for the long term. They, they do seem like when the going gets tough, they get going. (laughs) They're not sticking around. Or whatever. Yeah. I think I messed up that phrase, but whatever. You know well, what I meant, people. But by, by the way, the elevation, it's seven thousand three hundred and fifty feet. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that is unreal. Uh yeah, I, I will probably stick around because it's a big spread. But yeah, I think the 49ers are built better for this game. And once again, we say it every week. I know the Cardinals pulled it out last week, but as the season goes on, the Cardinals do not get better. There is a long set of data here that backs these claims up, especially around Lincoln Riley and the offense. It does not adjust. It does not get better. The 49ers defense is extremely good. Um, and yeah, I think this could be, it has the makings to be an ass kicking. I just, I don't know at this point in the week with the injury news lingering out there, whether or not I feel okay putting money on eight and a half. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a hold right now, but yeah, the 49ers, I think are the side. Yeah, definitely, definitely got to wait a little bit in the week for that. Yep. Any other things before we wrap this up? No, no, not, not really. I will say to wrap this show up, my new favorite thing on Twitter though is uh, Twitter NFL GMs arguing with former NFL linemen about linemen tipping run versus pass and whether that has the meaning is now my all-time favorite debate in the it's world. Hilarious. Offensive linemen come out and say, this is why what Trent Williams is doing doesn't matter. And then people are commenting, well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) They're throwing, not not only is Trent Williams arguably the best left tackle we've seen in the last like decade or so, but then you have all these former linemen who are also amazing getting the what actually from guys who are watching the All-22 and think they're NFL GMs. It's the absolute best. Yeah, it is funny. And, you know, there are times, and I think you would agree, there are times where we're like, oh, well, we could have told you that. But oh. when every, like, lineman is coming on saying it doesn't matter, I'm just going to go with that. 100%. When it comes down to the mechanics of playing a position, I tend yeah. to agree with the player himself. When it comes to the overall picture and, like, game strategies and things like that. No, players are not always the best. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's why we often see elite players not be able to coach or be GMs because big picture that it doesn't get as good. But when it comes down to the granular mechanics of the game, whatever the player's saying, I'm leaning towards that. Me too. Yeah. It's not baseball here, people. Okay. <laughs> like tipping run first pass. What did you also, all these film guys, most of the time NFL sort of know it any like defensive quarters sort of know it's why they spend a thousand hours at the facility. Like anybody who's played football knows like when you watch film and stuff, certain formations typically tip, oh, this is more run versus pass and stuff. You have an idea. Like that isn't making a difference if he's changing his stance. It's probably so he can get better leverage. He's one of the best to do it over the last decade or so. Yeah. It's, Unreal. It's, uh, My favorite Twitter right now. It's the absolute best. <laughs> yeah. 
there's a lot going on especially because out of all the positions on twitter offense alignment twitter is the most cohesive unit like whatever direction they decide to go they all go that way and they come in swarms on you there's there's a lot of pride a lot of pride yeah they all they don't they they roll one direction every other position group you can get different opinions whatever the head of that whoever runs nfl offensive line twitter when they put out the memo this is the way we're charging boys they all go that direction they really do it's fantastic all right that'll do it for us hopefully we get some good betting here this week and as always peace